Hello, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Quarter Rest with Joe Diaco. That's me, yours truly. This week, I interviewed John McCauley. He is a native of the eastern townships of Quebec, a guitar player, a singer-songwriter, and he dabbles in many different genres, from jazz to country and all points betwixt. Today, we will be talking about music, mostly music. It's kind of a theme on this show. So sit back and enjoy. John, how's it going, man? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thank you for being on the show. So, John, uh, what have you been up to? The last time I saw you, we were both in university. This was like a long time ago. So what have you been up to since then? Yeah, so that's years ago. Uh, it's about 10 years ago. I've been playing, like uh, that, right? yeah, I've been playing uh, professionally pretty well ever since. Like a little, I was playing a little bit probably when you, you and I last saw each other, uh, probably illegally in some bars. Um, yeah, I think you were, you were gigging a decent amount at the time, actually. Okay. So you might've been, we, I was probably in my first year bishops if I was really gigging a lot. You were in your first or second year. Uh, I actually don't remember, but yeah, you were, you were definitely, you were definitely playing a lot of guitar. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I've been, I've been playing, uh, professionally for about 10 years. Before that, we did about, like, I did some of the open mics and I did the, uh, battle of the bands and, you know, like everyone does, um, before Typical I was allowed starter to. starter stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I was probably 17 doing so. And, but no one knew the difference. Once I turned 18 and was old enough to do so, uh, they, I'd been around the bar scene enough to, uh, get noticed a little bit and, uh, then probably went into what you're talking about gigging around the, the lion and stuff in Lennoxville. Uh, since then I've been, uh, I've been playing a lot around the, the town, the Eastern townships and, uh, but more like all of Quebec, a little bit of Ontario as well. And, uh, recently I got on a, a cruise ship. Well, I mean, not, not recently last year when, uh, before the world shut down, we couldn't do that anymore. Uh, so 20 cruise ships were running. Yeah. 2019, I guess. Yeah. Winter 2019. I was there for about five months. Started in, uh, Australia for about two months. Uh, all the way up through the, 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 uh, Suez Canal, uh, we did a bunch of Asia and ended up in the Mediterranean in, uh, we were based out of Southampton, England. Oh, wow. Okay. So all the way from Australia to England. Yeah. That's like, that's a huge trip. Big old trip. Yeah. That's Pacific to Atlantic. That's crazy. 45 days it took us. So the, wow. uh, and, Weirdly enough, a lot of the, the patrons actually stayed on. The whole 45 days? Yeah, the whole 45 days. And we went through some like sketchy places. There was like, at one point, there was eight days where we didn't stop on land. We were actually going through, uh, like pirate territory in the, in the Gulf of Aden, uh, same place as, uh, Captain Phillips. Yeah. Can I tell you a little story about Captain Phillips? I'd love that. 
Well, it's not much of a story, but basically I went to school with both of his kids. I've never met Captain Phillips himself, but like I met his wife and I went to high school with his son and daughter. Cool. That was a, well, yeah, I guess. It was a crazy, <laughs> crazy yeah. time when that ship got captured and to know that like the parents, the well, you know, the father of two people that I knew from just, you know, growing up in the same town and going to school all the way through from elementary school, like right from the beginning. Like I've known those, that family for forever. Like when I, I got on the boat and I was like, I, I didn't even know pirates were like still a thing. And, uh, they, everyone was, I've never seen the movie. I need to, <laughs> I need to watch the movie. You know what? I've never seen it either. Uh, because everyone was like, well, yeah, that's that same boat as like the same company as Captain Phillips. And I was like, who's, who's that? <laughs> but like, turns out there's actual pirates over there. We had to have, like have armed guards on the, on the roof. We couldn't go out at night. You know, it was wild. That's crazy. So what kind of stuff were you playing on the ship? I was playing mostly like the hits, you know? <laughs> A lot of brown-eyed girl, a lot of uh, sweet Caroline. But every now and then I would like throw in, throw them for a curveball. You know, one of the tunes that I liked or one of the tunes that I wrote, you know, and it turned into, it got to a point where people would want to hear more of what I wrote because they would, a lot of the people would come in every night because I had enough of a turnover that uh, they, they weren't hearing the same 40 songs every night. Um, so they, they would come in and they'd kind of get to know me and I get to know them and it was fun. It was kind of like a little family, uh, which would turn around and you'd get a new one every week. So they'd come, come in every night and they'd want to hear my tunes. That was fun. So there was some space for you to play your own stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the agent knows about that, but <laughs> I was playing a lot of them. Were you like contractually expected to just play hits or something? Like, would would you get in trouble for playing your own stuff if that's what the audience wanted to hear? I don't think you'd get in trouble for it, but uh, it's certainly what's expected of you is to play like the hits or like, you know, to play top 40 stuff, stuff that people are asking for. But I mean, they were asking for my tunes. You know, so <laughs> that's a loophole. Was it generally well received the the playing you were doing? Yeah, they people really loved it actually. Because often what I'll do here in Quebec for if I'm doing a solo gig, it's often unless it's like a concert where I'm playing my own stuff. The solo gigs are often background and no one's sure. really listening. They're like eating their food. And like, they're like, when's this guy going to finish? <laughs> but not really, but because at the end of the, at the end of the night, they often come up and say how they enjoyed it, but it's a different vibe, you know, like there, they were there to hear you, to hear me. Um, so that was a really cool experience. Yeah. Cause I get that experience with bands all the time. Cause I play in quite a few bands as well. Uh, but solo, it's often background here. So what you were doing on the cruise ship, this was solo? Mm hmm Yeah. Do they have bands as well on the ship? They do. They've got like a full stage band set up. Um, so I think there were nine piece. They also had a Caribbean band, kind of reggae thing. And they had a just 
classic rock band. They were from the Philippines. Ah, oh, they were a fun band. <laughs> they were they were really good actually. But they they sang with the the accent. It was sort of like karaoke, but with really good musicians. You know, um, they were uh, they did like a lot of like classic rock, like ZZ Top, the Doobie Brothers, and stuff like that. They were a lot of fun. They did a lot of the Eagles as well. And you say you do a lot of gigging in Quebec. So what kind of gigging do you do? Well, right now it's a, it's a little, I just take what I can get. Right now it's end, it's ended up being a lot of what I said, uh, background gigs, uh, because that's all that's available. Uh, I've done a few band gigs recently as well, like a trio, but normally, well, like this summer I was, I was, uh, I was supposed to be releasing an album. It's been pushed back a little bit. Um, this summer I was planning on touring and also, I mean, playing a bunch of festivals. Normally, I mean, I've been playing festivals every summer since I, for the last five, six years. Um, this year there were none. So that's like a big, big, uh, chunk missing from the, the pocketbook. Um, for sure. But also for exposure for this new album and stuff. Uh, but you know, we're, we're dealing with that and we're seeing what we can get. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I play where, wherever I can. I, it's either restaurants, bars. I've done concert halls as well. I've opened for a few people, um, like bigger names that you might know or uh, Brett Kissel, um, the, who's a, pretty big uh, country guy from uh, Western Canada, Dan Davidson, also Patrick Normand is a Quebec superstar. They're, they're pretty big deal in their own right. <laughs> right, in their own sphere. Yeah. I said I would never play in a country band ever in my life when I was in last time you saw me. About that time. <laughs> I've done it a few times. What changed? Just wanted to get yourself out there? I guess I came around. I've, I I came around to it. You know, I think back then it was like mom and dad liked it. That's not cool. Um, but then, you know, like I discovered like a different side of country. Like it doesn't, it, when we say country, it doesn't have to be the like Taylor Swift, like, uh, Nashville, um, like what's coming out right now is like a lot poppier than what I would listen to when I'm saying country. But uh, there's another side to that, you know, like I love Willie Nelson and there are some great artists that come out now uh, that are more in that vein. I believe that. And I have to say, you know, I say I don't like country. It's kind of a lie. I do like Johnny Cash. I do like Willie Nelson. Yeah. I do like some of the old, you know, Merle Haggard and that kind of country. Mm -hmm. And I think anything that's in that vein is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, so now, I mean, it's probably called something different. Like that's called outlaw country. Right. right. That stuff's awesome. Yeah. But that stuff has nothing to do with like the pop country coming out of Nashville. No, that's what I love Which, about it. Exactly. It's, it's way rawer and rougher. And I think it's just musically a lot more interesting. Yeah. And just much cooler. They just didn't give a shit. Yeah. That's what was fun about it. Yeah, exactly. There, it, there's a sort of badass rock and roll attitude to that music. Yeah. 
I mean, Johnny Cash is credited with like the invention of rock and roll as much, almost as much as like Elvis and, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and all, all those guys. They're all lumped into the same, you know, he's a country guy, but, and he's also a rocker. You know, he covered Nine Inch Nails later in life. Yeah. Soundgarden. Yeah. Open minded guy. Hello, folks. I want to take a moment to talk about something that has become very important in my life. Now, a lot of people think it's a bit weird that I have started believing in the healing power of crystals so quickly. But please, hear me out. No less than two weeks ago, I was about as far as you could get from believing in the spiritual value of crystals, particularly crystal skulls and crystal gargoyles. I fancied myself a skeptic and a rational thinker. But now, what I realize is that that was just me being a contrarian. That was me failing to face the facts. But everything changed for me when I got my first jewel-encrusted crystal chandelier from the $1,000 Chandelier Club. Here's how it works. First, download and install the $1,000 Chandelier Club app, where you'll enter your address, home phone number, and automatic withdrawal banking information. That's it. That's literally it. Every month, $1,000 will be debited from your account, and at the end of two calendar years, a beautiful jewel-encrusted crystal chandelier piece will be sent to your home. Alternately, you can choose to pay $10,000 up front so you can start taking advantage of the spiritual and otherworldly benefits of crystals right away. This is a no-brainer, folks. Since I started living my best crystal life, I have been happier, calmer, and more at peace with the world around me. I feel no fear, for fear is the mind-stabber, and I am at one with, and yes, subservient to, the forces of the universe. And now, a word from our leader. Hello! I am the leader! There are too many orangutans in my salad lighthouse. So speaking of country, uh, I'd like to play a song of yours from your upcoming record. Actually, do you want to just talk about the the record a little bit before I play the song? Yeah. So the record, we we actually started, uh, we started getting to work on that almost, well, I mean, actually two years ago now. Uh, We, to be fair, I, I did leave on the cruise ship for five months and then got back and was busy, busy, busy. So we worked on it for about a year and a half. Um, and then post-production and all this stuff, you know. Uh, so we started about two years ago. Um, I've been writing the songs for about five since, like, I, I put my e- my first EP out in 2015. And some of the songs are from way back then. Um, actually, like we put, we did the album launch and we played one of the tunes, uh, Love Left Town that, uh, I'll probably play later. Uh, the, uh, and the drummer said to me, like, man, why didn't we record that? Well, I mean, I love hadn't left town yet. <laughs> so I, I started, I started writing way back, uh, in 2015, 2016 for this. 
All right. So speaking of country, as we were before, I want to play the song, Will You Still Love Me on the Road, from your album. And I think people will see the connection with country as soon as they hear it. Montreal never seems so far away As last month when I touched down in L.A. Now I'm here beside you, baby There's a hunger in my veins Come sunrise, I'll be up and on my way You still love me in the morning Feelings blind are so high, I'm told If I'm not there for your eyes to bear You still love me on the road I'm standing on this stage upon display So you folks can shake the troubles of today Well, I'm leaving when those curtains close Another town I'm booked to play And you'll shake tonight just like you shook today You still love me in the morning Blind is so high, I'm I'm not there for your eyes to bear. You still love me on the road. God knows it's a long, hard climb to where I want to be. There ain't no telling if they'll give a damn in Tennessee. Try to talk me down It's the way it's gonna be It's the life I chose And it's the life I'm gonna lead Would you describe this as a country song? Well, this is the thing. This is where, you know, like, as I said earlier, I would, I would, back when I was a kid, I would always say that I would never, ever play in a country band. You know? Um, and part of the reason is because of what was coming out. Um, it was all 
so much poppier for, so for the longest, for the longest time when people would go like, Oh, that's so country. And it's often because there's like a steel guitar in it or whatever. I go, no man, like it's not country. That's like, what is like, it's something else. It's like, I would say like folk rock or like singer songwriter stuff. Um, now like there's like this new thing that they call Americana. Yeah. And that's so, true. um, I like saying that's what it is <laughs> because it just in, envelops all these different styles, you know, folk, folk and singer songwriter, but also rock and roll and blues and country and it's everything meshed together. And so it's, it's for a bunch of misfits that like myself who can't decide on a style I can fall into that. Yeah. I mean, to me, it doesn't sound like a, it doesn't sound like a straight up Nashville pop country song, but at the same time, I mean, clearly there's some country, country influence. You got the, the metal yeah. steel. Absolutely. You got, uh, a singing style, which leans toward country. I would say mm-hmm. based on this song. What artists kind of influenced or inspired this song? This song in particular. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. I'd say like, cause when you say that these influences, you know, I'm like kind of like, would you say Ray LaMontagne is country? I would say no, but I would say Ray LaMontagne is close to what I did here. Um, but I, sometimes people hear the, the steel guitar and immediately go, that's country music. Um, but the Dire Straits did it as well. That's true. Um, yeah. I well, I, I, dire Straits, I would say, a good chunk of the time leaned toward country rock. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I guess so. On certain songs, definitely. Like, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't really call uh, Mark Knopfler like a country guitar player. He's a rock player, but... You know, yeah. plays with the slide sometimes, which is not necessarily a country thing. That's an every, every genre yeah. thing. But, um, I don't know, certain songs I'm thinking like, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. If you listen to the album Brothers in Arms, there's a lot of styles on that album. I'll have to check that one out. Brothers in Arms. That's the one with like, um, Walk of Life, which has a little bit of a country feel to it. You'd, you'd know the song if you heard it. Yeah. I know that one. Yeah, it reminds me of like uh, Springsteen or something. But yeah, like Ray LaMontagne would be a big one. Right now, uh, Jason Isbell is, uh, I'm a big fan of his, and he's like considered like the, one of the Americana gods right now, uh, if there are any. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Blue Rodeo. I mean, if I was to list all my, my influences, it'd be, we'd be here for eight hours. Uh, because it goes a lot wider than that. I, I like to grab whatever I can from whatever style I can. So this song, um, when did you write this tune? I actually wrote this song when I was on the boat, uh, when I was somewhere in the coast that I might've been on the way to Europe actually on that eight day, uh, cruise missing home and, uh, just kind of wondering what, uh, because everyone told me that you leave on the boat for that long. Or you leave, I, I've met a few guys that do the, so the Soleil gig 
They go, they came back and they said, there's, there's no gigs anywhere. They can't do anything. Like no one's, everyone's forgotten about them. So I wrote this song kind of about that, about like contracts, but also like about, uh, a girl that didn't exist. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. Cause I, I very much heard it as like a, a love song. And I think that's how it's supposed to be heard. But you're saying it's also about like the people back home, the gigs back home, the connections back home. Yeah. Like, yeah. will you still love me on the road? Will you still remember me? Is that kind of what you were trying to get at? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was a couple. I mean, I say a girl that doesn't didn't exist. There was probably a couple that did exist that I was thinking about at the time. But uh, uh, there was nothing serious happening you know but uh i i'd been seeing a girl a bit uh before i left and i was like yeah we, we had to split up because i was leaving hmm. so that probably sparked that a little bit is this uh is this a tune you like to play like to do live i do you know what's funny about this song is like we didn't i didn't want to record it when we were sitting oh, yeah? down to record it because we didn't have like a real arrangement set in stone but then we worked on it in the studio and it turned out really great because the bass player was like john you have to do this song it's great (laughs) i was like i don't know maybe i'll do it solo who'd you get to play steel uh that was alex catenio he actually uh recorded most of the well most of the album like 99 percent of the album and uh um uh, co-produced it and uh did a lot of the arranging and uh yeah he was like the the number one guy that was in charge of the album uh we did uh record a little bit in montreal as well with uh camille belil because we did some piano over there with uh a really stellar uh pian- uh jazz piano player jeff lap so the last tune that you heard on the album, uh, one more time was, uh, Jeff Lapp. Yeah. So Alex Catenio did the, the steel and recorded, uh, most of the stuff. All right, John, you want to play a song for us? Yeah. How about I do that? I'm going to do that, uh, song Love Left Town that I was talking about earlier. Outside my doorstep Seemed like the first time in years See just what the night had left me Besides the ashes and the tears And it hit me like a freight train I could do it all again Make a fool of myself Or I could learn to live again Now it's over Storm is over I'm growing older Since love left town Oh, oh Think I'll pack up all these memories 
In a suitcase or a trunk Burn them by the water While that night sky makes me drunk You can tell me stories about love or pain While I lay these ones to rest Right now it all feels just the same In the caverns of my chest Yes, it's over Storm is over I'm growing colder since love left Ooh. Ooh. All my friends all tell me to pass you by Like some stranger on the street Wouldn't even care if I was strung out Reeling from defeat But at night your face still jumps out like rays of polished gold Yes, your memory's still so fresh But it's growing old Growing old Took a walk outside my doorstep Seemed like the first time in years So just what innocence leaves you Besides the emptiness and fears And it hit me like a freight train I could do it all again Fall flat on my face Or I could learn to live again Cause now it's over Stories over I'm growing sober since love left time. Oh, oh, since love left time. Oh, oh, since love. What's the song about? What's the song about? I guess it's pretty, I thought it's pretty self-explanatory in the, in the title, I guess the, uh, I always call it a love song gone wrong. I started writing a love song, then she left. Um, actually, that's it. It's about a breakup that happened like a while back. Um, I slept, I slept with my guitar for like a week until I wrote that song. And I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Who said nothing good comes out of breakups? Who are your guitar playing influences? Like, who are your, your like top five guitar gods? Oof. That's hard. I mean, I would have to say, um, Stevie Ray, uh, when I was coming up, I, I was a much bigger blues guy before uh, getting into this more Americana thing. 
Um, so Stevie Ray Vaughan is probably, um, top five for sure. Hendrix. Um, then later on, um, Tony Rice, uh, was a big one. So Tony Rice is a bluegrass player. Love his stuff. Um, Tony Rice actually gave me tendonitis. Um, so, I was, I was practicing about, uh, six hours a day, six, eight hours, and then going to play at night. And until, uh, my, my hand just stopped working, um, because of Tony Rice, I wanted to play bluegrass and the world didn't want me to. Uh, so Tony Rice, um, I would say on the, then I'd have to go on the jazz side. Um, Peter Bernstein is a, is a yeah. big one. Yeah. Kenny Burrell. Oh, five, like really just five. Okay. You can, you can stretch it I to can, seven or eight. I don't care. I could give you two or keep going, keep going. Or 10. <laughs> uh, John Mayer right now is actually like, he's uh, an influence he's as well. Yeah. I love John Mayer stuff. Uh, and Jason Isbell as well. So Jay, if you don't know Jason's stuff, like you should, I don't, I, mean, I talk to him. I talk as though I'm, I'm buds with him. Uh, Jason Isbell is, uh, he's amazing. I saw him, uh, a couple of years ago in Portland, uh, Maine. And, uh, I didn't know it was him playing all these guitar parts. And then I was like, holy crap. Like he plays slide like crazy. Uh, I can't play slide worth a damn. But like, I'd like to, I mess around with it. Derek trucks would be another one too. Slide master. Yeah. But I mean, I could go on for days. The only person on your list I've seen live is Peter Bernstein. Oh yeah. Where'd you see it? Was it in Montreal? It was in Montreal at uh, upstairs? the upstairs. Yeah. Was I at that show? I don't know. I don't think so, but I mean, you might have been. Uh, but he was great. I mean, he's a great player. Yeah. Was he, who was he playing with? Don't remember. It's just a trio. Yeah. I was playing with, when I saw him, he was playing with Jimmy Cobb from, uh, Miles Davis's band, like from oh. kind of blue. Wow. And I was like, Phew. I, I remember I went to, I was with Sam Crooks actually. <laughs> and we, uh, in the bathroom, I, I went to the bathroom next to Jimmy Cobb. And, uh, <laughs> and I got out and I goes, Mr. Cobb, um, that, 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 that was a really, really good show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what did he say? I, uh, he was like, Oh, thanks, man. He, I mean, he's played on like every record that you, that I've ever listened to. <laughs> Jimmy Cobb. And you peed standing next to him. Yeah. I peed next to him. That's like one of the proudest moments of my life. Do you like jazz a lot? You're a big jazz guy. I love jazz. I, I don't uh, play so much of it anymore, but I do, I do still dig it out any chance I get. Uh, I did a lot of years of university in jazz. Um, I, it's still, a, it's hard to play. Yeah. Super hard to play. It's, uh, years of, playing to even just be able to play jazz at all <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean I, I can play it but like not well you know <laughs> people can play it well i i can't play it like like peter bernstein can 
Not even, no. not even like a smidgen that good. Um, and I think I kind of realized that when I got out of school, you know, like we were so focused on like jazz is like the only kind of music when I was in university. And I was like, and I graduated and I was like, well, I kind of like the Eagles too. <laughs> and, uh, I, I did that. And I realized there was, it's really hard to make any money in jazz. Like, unless you're unbelievably good. So, I mean, I unless do. Unless you're like a legend who, uh, you know, does the, the jazz fest circuit. Yeah. So, I mean, I do, I do a couple jazz gigs here and there, uh, mostly for weddings and like cocktail hours and stuff. But I wouldn't, to know uh, some standards. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't like record a jazz album and, uh, Say I'll be the next. Uh, who knows? You know, the Kurt next West Montgomery. Yeah. No. Like <laughs> Wes is probably my favorite jazz guitar player. Yeah, I love Wes. Yeah, and it's so hard to emulate. It's like my thumb doesn't move that fast. Oh yeah, I forget about copying his style. Yeah. Uh, with the thumb, it's crazy. Well, you know. Um, Oh, what's the guy who plays with uh, Russell Malone? Yeah, he can do it like to a T. Uh, and he was just uh, John. Did have you met John Keery? No, I'm going off onto a personal tangent here. Sorry. Uh, okay. So John was the the guitar teacher after you left uh, Bishops. So amazing, amazing jazz guitar player. Uh, he just sent me a message the other day saying. Uh, with with a picture of him and Russell Malone. I was like, hey, like, why didn't you invite me? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, they, and they get these like stellar, stellar, uh, jazz musicians down like at, at Bishops. Like you would, you probably remember that. Like I, I got to meet like, uh, I didn't get to meet Peter Bernstein, but I met like a lot of crazy, crazy players. Uh, in the jazz world. I remember, honestly, there weren't that many jazz shows at the time I was there. So this must have been more after I left. You probably would have seen Jerry Grinelli. No. Nope. So Jerry Grinelli was the, uh, the guy that played on Peanuts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was the drummer. And he, uh, he was there. Uh, with Vince Guaraldi? Uh, Vince Guaraldi was the piano player on, on it, Peanuts. No, I think... No, there was no piano player. It was just him. No, 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 but Vince Vince Guaraldi's been dead for a long time. Yeah. He was the he was the piano player who, like, wrote all those songs for the Peanuts okay. movies. Like, he, he's the one playing the... Yeah, no... Uh, so you got to see his drummer. Oh, I saw really the drummer, cool. yeah. Jerry Grinelli and he was with a sax player and a, but I mean, there was a few of them. Like there was a guy that came by, he was, he played with, uh, I was the uh, Benny Goodman, uh, you know, like all these crazy, crazy jazz guys that no one knows. <laughs> they were like sidemen, but they've like made no money, but they lived in New York and like played with all the craziest players ever. Um, so I got to meet a ton of them. I met John Pizzarelli as well. And, uh, you know, John Pizzarelli, 
um, at University of Sherbrooke. He was like a really, really cool guy. Um, like could have been a comedian as well. Really funny. He was like talking about like his, 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 uh, he did a tour with uh, Frank Sinatra actually. And he was like, he would tell it better than this, but he said he was like super excited to, to meet his idol and he goes to see him and, uh, he looks up as he said it into the bluest eyes he'd ever seen. And he goes, eat something. You look bad. (laughs) (laughs) Guy was really funny. We're checking out. Frank Sinatra. Yeah. All right, we're going to listen to another tune off of your record. This one is I Will Follow You. Sweet. Had to smile when I hit this bar room Just like some distant memory just like in memory, this old heart just skipped a beat. I saw you smiling back at me. Time's been hard around here lately. We all get caught up in the race. We'll run together towards a better day. Just know that when we leave this place, I will follow you. Though we may be miles apart There's a place that you can stay here in my heart When you're down and blue And your world grows cold and bitter When you need a friend I will follow you So when the walls come crashing around you Seems like your world's been set on fire Burn all those bridges and don't ever look back No way but forward on this track Rest your head upon my shoulder Lay all your worries on the line Lay them on this dance floor Meet these worn out shoes Know that when this dance is through I will follow you Though we may be miles apart There's a place that you can stay here in my heart When you're down and blue Your world grows cold and bitter When you need a hand, I will follow you So, John, tell me about this song. Like, what's the background behind this song? Um, so this song was written, uh, this was the most re- recent one that was written on the album. 
um, it's my, it's about my now girlfriend, um, who wasn't my girlfriend at the time. Um, wrote it in the funny, funny story. I'm about to move to Alberta to follow her. <laughs> uh, so you literally will follow her. Yeah. I, I literally will follow her. Yeah. She, I, yeah, I wrote this about a year ago and, uh, it, it the prophecy came true. <laughs> so we're in Alberta. Are you moving to? I'm heading to Calgary uh, in a few weeks and well in a month. What's the music scene like in Calgary? I guess we'll find out. Um, so, well, I mean, I've heard mixed reviews, but, uh, I'd rather see for myself. I've known that I had to uh, move to a bigger center for a while now. And like she, her having to move back for work was like uh, enough of a kick in the butt that I needed to actually get it done. Want to play another song for us? Sure. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to do one uh, that I didn't write. This was actually written by, uh, well, I, I mentioned, uh, I'll, I'll give you the family tree now. Uh, I mentioned Jeff Lapp earlier, who's the, the crazy, um, piano player that played on, uh, One More Time. This is, uh, a song written by his brother David Lapp, who happens to be, uh, my girlfriend's dad. So David is, uh, a stellar, stellar uh, singer-songwriter, and we belong to the same fishing camp. And I, uh, one night after like several drinks, uh, decided I had the courage to ask him, "Can I record this song that you wrote? That's killer." <laughs> and he said yes. I don't know if he regretted it after he had a lot of drinks too. <laughs> So this is called The River. There's a river running through this town Deep water runs muddy brown Twisting and turning in the currents cold Carries the stories of this town I'm told Down by the river that's where the people go They lie together some summer nights Down by the shore in the cool moonlight Some say the water can cleanse the soul Some say only the river knows Down by the river there's where the people go See them dancing, see them dancing Troubles always in the air. Hear their footsteps in the grass down there. Troubled souls holding out their hands. Look to the river to help them understand. Down by the river, that's where the people go.
down the street You can hear some voices cry Talking about something maybe you and I Every secret's got a home I found There's a river running through this town Down by the river Down by the river that's Down by the river that's Where the people live Great tune. How did you first hear that song? Uh, so I've known David for a long time, um, friend, friend of the family. He's, he's been a bit of a mentor actually. Now he's like kind of my, my quote unquote father-in-law. Um, so he, he's been a friend, a mentor, um, you know, uh, all of the above. Uh, so, uh, he was the guy that I would send most of these tunes that I was writing for the album I would send them to him first because he was like the first guy um, that would kind of say um, the truth about it. You know, often you send songs to people and they're like, wow, great song, man. And like, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for you to tell me it's terrible and what I need to fix. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he, he does. And he, he's a great songwriter to boot. So, um, I, I probably heard him play that song first. Um, would have probably been a caroling party or we, we used to do these caroling parties in the, at Christmas, uh, where we'd, we'd all get together. There was probably about 40 people in the room and we'd, uh, we'd start with Christmas carols and, uh, end up in, uh, probably mostly Beatles tunes and originals. So you would send him songs and he would just say, this, this sucks <laughs> in a nice way. I'd hope in a nice, well, I mean, in, I mean, in a, with love. Yeah. <laughs> like he would, he would do that because, um, he cares, you know, but he'd be, he wouldn't say this sucks. He just, he, his biggest phrase is, uh, are you sure about that? Or, uh, I've got an idea. Um, so often it'll be, it'll be something smaller. Like, uh, can you maybe bring this section back or like, what was the last one? Uh, I wrote this like storyteller tune about like a couple bank robbing, uh, doing like robbing a bank. Um, like you really reinventing the wheel cause no one's ever done that. But, uh, anyways, he, he said, uh, what was his comment? I thought the tune was pretty good, and he thought so too. He said, I'd, I'd kind of like to know how much money they got away with. You know, like stuff like that. Sure. Suggestions. Yeah. But like honest suggestions, you know, not just like great tune. Of course. Well, that's not a suggestion. That's just platitudes. Yeah. In terms of singing, like who are your influences? What What singers do you, first of all, do you think there's anyone that you sound like? Um, I can tell you who I've told I've been who I've been told I sound like is uh Stephen Page from uh, Bare Naked Ladies. But uh it depends what I sing. I I'll I'll prove it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Drove downtown in the rain, nine thirty on a Tuesday night, just to check out the late night. You know? Actually I definitely heard it there. I definitely heard it there. 
That's a great tune. I love that song. Yeah. Uh, I love bare naked ladies. Um, but I wouldn't say they were like one of the, like, I wasn't like copying all this stuff to, um, those were probably, I don't even know the chords to that song. I think I was just faking my way through this. Sounded good enough. Close enough. Uh, but, uh, other than that, I mean, I don't think there's any way I, I can pinpoint that I sound like, I think maybe that guy, cause people have mentioned it so many times. Uh, and then I listen to it and I go, yeah, maybe a bit. It's not your fault though. It's just the way your voice sounds. I was born with the voice, uh, with his, with his voice. <laughs> do you have a, do you have a favorite singer? A favorite singer? Uh, maybe Susan Tedeschi, Tedeschi Trucks Man. I don't know her. Um, yeah, she's amazing. Well, Derek Trucks, I was saying earlier. Yeah, his wife. They, oh, okay. they play together. She, she's the singer in his band now. Well, I mean, their band. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I also love James Taylor. Uh, it's hard to say, like, when someone says, who's your favorite? Yeah. It's like, I know, it's always hard to round, to, you know, narrow it down. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not very good at that. There's too many no, favorites. That's fair. All right. So before, you, before I let you go, Let's just, why don't you tell me a little bit about how COVID has affected things? You've, you've, you've touched on this a bit, but maybe just elaborate a little bit on like, how has COVID messed with your plans? How has it affected you personally? And what, what's next? Um, well, I mean, it's affected it, uh, pretty magnificently, um, in a bad way. But, you know, we're, we're kind of learning, learning to cope with it. You know, um, I wouldn't be set up, um, to record with like, I'm in your, uh, I'm in, like, we're in the same room together, but we're not. Right. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't have known how to do this if it weren't for COVID and me getting bored and buying stuff. Uh, so, I mean, we, we've been forced to kind of like reevaluate how we're doing things. Uh, but this is, this is fun. I'm enjoying this. Um, missing playing live and missing, I've done kind of some of the, uh, I've done some Facebook lives and, uh, that stuff. Um, it's fun. Do you like doing that? Well, I mean, I, it, it's fun because, some people will tune in from like all over the world. Like I've, I had people tune in from Australia and from England and all over the place. Um, mostly from the cruise ship. Uh, but like people I'd never thought I would hear from again or never mm. thought they would see me play again or hear my stuff, but they follow you on social media like social media, it was, has always been something that like I despise. Um, and I just didn't see the use of it. And I was just like, it's so fake and blah, blah, blah. But now, now like I've, I've looked, I'm looking at it and I was, well, maybe there's something to do. Maybe we can do something with that. Um, because that's all people had. You're in a lockdown. Um, uh, and you were reaching a whole bunch of people and they do actually listen and they do tune in. And, you know, I was like, I was like, 
putting it off as something that was stupid just because I didn't want to do it beforehand, you know, cause I was playing gigs and people were seeing me play. Um, but it's kind of forced me to, uh, put some work into the social media thing, the internet thing. Um, and, uh, I've done things like this. This is my second podcast so far. I'm really happy to be doing this. John McCall. What was the first? It was, uh, it was for a radio station in Knowlton. Actually, they're doing, uh, little podcasts. So they're artist of the week, uh, CIDI FM. Yeah. And we also did it like this too. Um, actually, uh, yeah, we did. I went up to the studio and my car broke down. We ran out of time for the interview. So, <laughs> so I had to do it. I was forced to do it from home, but, uh, it's cool that we're set up to do it now. So that's one thing. Uh, the album, you know, I had just finished recording an album. Uh, it was all mixed and everything. Um, I was just about to send it off to mastering and then, uh, I had no pay coming in anymore because all my gigs were canceled. So I sent it to the guy. Um, and he was nice enough. Uh, I, the first single we released, uh, was before I could pay for the whole thing. And, uh, so I was like, well, like everyone's on online right now and sharing like crazy. So is there any chance I could pay you part of it and, uh, pay you the rest later? so that I can release this one single, you know, like we were all stuck and he, he, he got it. And like, I very thankful for that. Yeah. It was like, uh, yeah, it was very nice of him. I've actually ended up uh, having to take a job. Uh, I'm doing uh farm. I'm, uh, working on a Christmas tree farm right now. Which has been cool, actually. But, uh, yeah, it, the, the entertainment industry is certainly taking a major hit. Cause normally right now I would just be doing that and teaching. Yeah. It's, it's really, it, it sucks, man, for people who are making a full living doing entertainment. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. Um, everything's dried up. It's dried up, but it's kind of forced me to, I've kind of reevaluated what I'm like doing and I'm going to just be focusing on doing original music in the future. You know, as I said, I'm using, moving to Calgary. It's a fresh start. Um, I'm going to be doing less bar gigs. Um, I, I don't hate doing them, but, uh, I was kind of oversaturating the market here because I was playing five times a week in the summer, five, six times. So like people go like, well, why would I pay 20 bucks to see you play your original stuff when I can go see you play for free? So it's, it's made me kind of reevaluate and think, I think I'm just going to be focusing on original music now. Um, which is probably a move I should have made a little while ago, but I mean, I love playing so much that, uh, it's, I've never had a, I, I've never like stepped back and gone like, well, what do I love most about playing? Um, because I just love being on stage. Um, it's the curse for musicians, isn't it? Like 
Mm-hmm. People love to play so much that they'll they'll almost do it for free. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I was never doing it for free. I was doing it to pay my rent. Sure. But but it's allowed me to say, well, the gigs that I was doing to pay my rent that I didn't enjoy very much at all, like the background gigs that I was saying earlier. Yeah. Um, maybe I don't have to do those if I have like some other gig, some other job, you know, and I can just focus on playing my tunes and trying to get people to hear them. And now you'll have a record that you can. Now I'll have a record. To promote yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Pumps about that. So, so when does the record drop? So the record drops October 1st, 2020. And where can people listen to it? It'll be available on Bandcamp. So at johnmacaulay.bandcamp.com. Uh, John Macaulay's J-O-N-M-A-C-A-U-L-A-Y.bandcamp.com. So John without the H. John without the H, Macaulay at bandcamp.com. Go and check it out. John, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Joe. And that's our show for the week, folks. I hope you enjoyed. A big thank you to John McCulley for appearing on the show. A big thank you to Alex McNeil, my producer. And a big thank you to Graham Bell, my graphic designer. If you enjoyed the show, there are a couple things you can do to help support it. The first thing you can do is head on over to Patreon and just give what you feel like giving. Another thing you could do is make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can send us email. You can contact us on Instagram. All these things help. Oh, and one other thing, a review on Apple Podcasts ain't never hurt nobody, no how. (laughs) Take it easy, folks.